Welcome to Rethink Retail, the show where we dive into the stories and strategies behind some of the most successful brands on the planet. From brick and mortar giants to e-commerce disruptors, we uncover the secrets to their success and deliver the keys to true retail transformation. So ask yourself, are you ready to rethink retail? The future of retail starts now. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Rethink Retail podcast. I'm your host, Gabriella Bach, and today I'm speaking with my guest, Kadian Lang Lei. Kadian has been with Renfro Brands since 2018, and as an empowered leader, she has taken on the responsibility of leading the century-old legacy sock and hosiery brand into the digital age. After three years helping the company successfully launch its e-commerce marketplace, Loops and Wales, Kadian was promoted to CMO and SVP in 2021. As a fierce leader and disruptor, she has brought creativity and innovation to the forefront for the heritage brand and has infused her team with agility to navigate marketing in a changing economy and for shifting consumer behaviors and needs. So thank you, Acadian, and welcome to the show. Thank you, Gabriella. I love that introduction. I want to like just capture it, bottle it up, and kind of use <laughs> it for everything. Well, thank you. Yeah, absolutely. And thank you so much for coming on the show. Um, I'm super excited to have you on today and get to learn a little bit more about you and the work that you do at Renfro Brands. And to kind of kick things off, so I know Renfro Brands is over a hundred year old company. And for those who might not be familiar, because you do represent a portfolio of brands, can you tell our listeners a little bit more about the company and your role within it? Yeah, absolutely. So like you said, Renfro is over 100 years and we're really the leaders in socks. And Renfro really started as a sock manufacturing company, but we're more than that, right? We market, brand, develop, innovate, really great socks for every different occasion. And I'm glad to say we're a little bit more than socks. We also have different product extensions that we're launching and we've already launched with a few of our brands. But Renfro was really the leader within the space and really owned tons of innovation and really changed the way lots of other companies and brands do socks. That's fascinating. And the adoption of socks and the way, you know, people think about socks and hosiery has certainly like continued to evolve over the years. Women especially were wearing more hosiery uh, yeah. probably the mid-century up until like the 80s. And that might have like changed a little bit over time. It's something I did want to ask you. And you could tell me if I'm totally crazy or not, but I've been seeing a trend among Gen Z where they absolutely hate toes. Like they hate the sight of feet oh and toes. <laughs> so I'm wondering like, because sneakers have been so heavily like adopted in fashion and everyday wear, have you kind of seen a rise just in your sock sales as Gen Zers are now coming into more of the market? Gabriella, I see it with my kids. <laughs> I don't understand it. I'm like, you know, you no. can kind of like let your toes breathe, right? Absolutely not. <laughs> so even like Birkenstocks and, and sandals, like, and that's where we're able to really thrive and kind of lean in. So yeah, sneakers and casualization and really infuse in more like athletic um, benefits and features like heel, heel and toe cushion and arch support. Mm -hmm. 
I mean, that really lends itself to a more athletic, but not like super overly athletic socks, but then also um, mix in fashion socks with like Birkenstocks and sandals. Mm -hmm. I know like my kids, they're wearing their Birkenstocks, their Crocs with socks, right? And they just hate toes. Like I'm like, <laughs> I say to my daughter, why did you get a pedicure if you're not going to show your right. toes? <laughs> oh my gosh, that's so funny. I mean, and it's great. Their hatred of feet and toes is great for the sock business, but it's also, uh, you know, great for, for parents because the shoes aren't going to smell anymore like they did when I, I wore Birkenstocks when I was a teenager. So I guess, I, you know, the, the hatred for toes is all right. It's a win-win for everybody. So thank you for validating that because I was like, there has to be a correlation there. <laughs> Absolutely. You are spot on. <laughs> so Katie, and I know you have a rich history of working in retail, started off with an internship at Ralph Lauren in college to developing e-com and digital at uh, Kaiser Roth and even starting your own consulting business and working with emerging and heritage brands. Um, yeah. So I wanted to ask how your work in previous roles has kind of transmuted into now your role at Renfro and, and how you're helping to continue the legacy of a 100-year-old brand while also like bringing it into the modern times. Yeah, you know, I am so thankful for my experience. You know, at the time when you're just kind of like young and trying to figure out your career, you don't know exactly where that road is going to lead in the future. Mm -hmm. But when I look back at my career and the things that I'm able to do, and the reason why I'm able to build like holistic kind of like marketing and growth strategies is because I really understand all, I wouldn't say all, maybe many facets of retail from merchandise mm -hmm. to planning to analytics to creative to consumer, you know, being very, very deeply focused on consumerism from a digital marketing perspective, and then also being able to communicate that and influence and get buy-in, it's because I understand how to speak the different language. Mm -hmm. Ultimately, when you're transforming a company, you're coming in with like big ideas and you're saying what you're doing is wrong, right? You can't go yeah. in like in that kind of approach, right? You have to be able to speak to the planning department in planning terms. People ultimately want to know how is this going to affect my job, right? Mm -hmm. How going to help the bigger picture. And so because of my experience of being a buyer, an entrepreneur, you know, I'm able to really pull from all those different experiences mm -hmm. and create a strategy that really touches on all the different facets and then be able to communicate it. So everyone understands their part in this puzzle that we're building together and how we're going to move together in the future. Yeah, absolutely. So having a keen insight into all of these different areas, which oftentimes different departments can feel like very siloed from one another. And so, yeah, so being able to like have a really great insight into all these different areas and from the top be able to kind of bring it all together. How would you then kind of define your leadership style? I say I lead with empathy and conviction. And I know that sometimes sounds like they're competing forces, but mm -hmm. actually it's not. And the empathy comes in 
we're really trying to understand everyone's point of view and mm-hmm. empathize with the seat that they're sitting in and how they're looking at it from that vantage point. But then also be really steadfast on those goals and mm-hmm. vision. And that's where the conviction comes in. And if so if you believe and truly believe your objectives and goals, then you'll be able to communicate it in such a way that is highly influential. But then remember, you're also communicating the way in which you're empathizing with those people, right? With cross-functional teams. And so, and even with your own team members, right? And so I try to lean in and really you know, explain a lot of that to my team members as they're mm-hmm. going across and kind of like pushing because sometimes we're like, hey, why are we doing this? Can we do this differently? And there's a way in which you can influence and get things done. But ultimately, you have to empathize. You have to understand the other person's point of view, but then mm-hmm. truly, you know, convinced in what you're doing and believe in your vision. And that's where that conviction comes in. Absolutely. So leading with empathy and conviction and, you know, really understanding the needs of your employees and, like you said, an empathetic mind. What then are some of the big objectives as a leader that that you've set for yourself this year? I would say one of the big objectives that I've set for myself is to be able to communicate clearly and concisely. Mm-hmm. Um, and I say that because we're doing lots of different things, right? And we have our strategic initiatives. And sometimes mm-hmm. that you almost can, you know, folks can kind of get a little confused. And so it is sure. important for me and I'm holding myself accountable, just like I'm holding my peers accountable. It's for us as leaders to really be very clear and concise in how and what we're communicating. And that's a big goal for mine. I know it sounds really simple, um, but Gabriella is a leader. I think it's important, you know, our employees, whether it's internal, you know, employees Mm -hmm. or external and our messaging, it is important that we're very clear on our goals and we're very Mm -hmm. steadfast and we have that conviction again (laughs) in what we're doing in that vision. Absolutely. So being very clear on, you know, your company's values and goals for the year so that the team can actually understand and fully align with you um, because they can't innovate, they can't perform, they can't, you know, do their jobs essentially if they don't fully understand what the what the overall goal for the company is, which um, can get lost uh, a bit coming down from from the top sometimes. And even, you know, there are things that come up and really helping the team prioritize, right? Mm-hmm. And really prioritize and really focus in on the things that's going to move the needle and get mm-hmm. us closer to our goals and objectives. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Can you share some of your favorite strategies then that you've you've implemented in the company to better communicate across teams and to, you know, align on that vision? Yes. And so um, we've implemented the last few years, but I, we've coined it in the loop. And Mm -hmm. it's, you know, no pun intended, but it's keep all our employees in the loop with what's going on. And so Mm -hmm. I have my own kind of like internal meetings where we're communicating our goals and objectives, but this is company-wide, right? It's our manufacturing facility. It's our um, 
international satellite offices. It's our office in New York, local here in Winston-Salem and Mount Airy. It's a moment for us to keep everyone in the loop. Stan Jewell, our CEO, he usually kicks off that meeting and kind of just gives everyone like an update on financials because everyone wants to know, right? It's like, how Mm -hmm. are we doing? Are we doing well? I see my area. I don't know other people's areas. And so he's very clear in really communicating those high level um, financial um, KPIs. But it's Mm -hmm. also an opportunity to share other things that are going on. So I may have, we may have the innovation team deliver a presentation. So everyone from manufacturing to brand to marketing, sourcing, and, you know, all the different departments, they understand what's going on behind the scenes. Mm -hmm. Um, Last week, I actually presented our new brand direction, or I like to say enhanced brand direction for our own brands, Hot Socks and K-Bell. And so that was really well received. It's a great, you know, it was a great meeting and everyone was like, okay, I see the vision. I see what we're doing. And it was very clear. And that to me was success. Absolutely. In the loop. I love that as a tagline. Yeah. You know, I think you hit the nail right on the head that collaboration across departments is just absolutely critical for um, the success of any organization and that you're really working hard to foster a culture of collaboration and and communication between marketing and all other key departments at Renfro Brands. So tip of the hat to you on that. We love to hear that from leaders. And we definitely can tell you're very passionate about the team that you lead. I wanted to ask a little bit about marketing in 2023 in general, right? Because things with digitization has just shifted so rapidly. And the way that we're marketing to consumers, especially younger consumers, has, you know, changed so much. And I guess so bringing it back to Gen Z, you know, what kind of strategies are are you implementing to capture the, the Gen Z consumer? Yeah, I mean, that's a great question. So we've been so focused on what you mentioned, which is more about digital marketing, right? Mm-hmm. Being where Gen Z is, whether it's being on TikTok, and we, we have a really small presence. And right now we're really focused on Instagram and YouTube. Mm-hmm. But we really want to get more involved in some of the local pop-up shops and festivals. And so oh, I think cool. we probably all saw this after COVID, there's been like, you know, People want to be outside. And so it's it's the digital that you're we're still gonna be there and have that presence. But I think there's a yearning for that mm-hmm. connection, right? That in-person connection. And we mm-hmm. know that Gen Z's are at the pop-ups, they're at the festivals, and we wanna be there too. We wanna to be in Times Square, we wanna be at, you know, um, all the great festivals and concerts and things like Mm -hmm. that. So we're really starting to strategize. We spent so much time focusing on digital, which Mm -hmm. is absolutely table stakes. That is important to make sure that you have a really strong digital strategy, Mm -hmm. but we can't lose focus on that personal touch and really being where Gen Z's are and being where people are and connecting with them on the more personal level so they can have more of a view behind the scenes and really get to connect with the brand a bit more. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Gen Z, they're all about like owning that very individual style, the unique style, but then also wanting experiences that are fun and, you know, really allow them to, as you said, like really connect with the brand, which I think is so cool because you guys are, uh, you know, a software 
brand. So a lot of people, when they think about socks, they're just like, you know, that's, yeah, that's the thing that, uh, you know, I put on my feet before I put my shoes on. And the fact that you guys are going to festivals and really thinking about creating and marketing products that evoke that sense of like individuality or take you back to a moment that was special. Um, I think that's really cool. Gabrielle, you literally just hit it on a nail with one of our brand ethos, Hot Socks Make a Statement. Mm -hmm. As part of like the new brand direction, we're really leaning into Hot Socks, the brand. It's, as you know, it's like our fashion stock really started out by our owners in 1971. And they were the first like fashion sock brand. And we kind of lost our way over the last few years. And now we're leaning back into our original brand DNA. Mm -hmm. And so our tagline is make a statement. And that statement um, could be where you have a totally like maybe maybe an all black outfit and you have that red sock and that Mm -hmm. red sock a statement. Or maybe you're a gamer and this sock has some gaming, you know, motifs. And so you're able to connect with other people within your community. Mm-hmm. But needless to say, Hot Socks is all about making that statement. And what better way to do that than be where our consumers are, being in front of them, whether it's a pop-up shop or being at that festival mm-hmm. and really helping them and show them how you can make a statement with our products. Yeah, absolutely. I love it. Coming from a sort of a sock collector myself. Um, you know, you can even make a statement. I go to a lot of conferences. And so I usually have some type of funky sock on under my pants and, you know, lift them up and show them to whoever. And it's like, you know, what kind of sock will she be wearing today? You know, I want to switch gears a little bit and talk to you about your personal development within your career. I know that you've, you spoke a lot about the power of owning your own confidence. But I also read that early in your career that you've had really innovative and unique and out-of-the-box ideas that were initially dismissed. And you've said that people started listening when you started to be unapologetically yourself. So can you tell us a little bit about this story and, you know, the transformation that, that you had in general? Yeah, it was a very subconscious transformation, right? Um, You know, I I was I've always been very confident inwardly, Mm -hmm. right? And then starting the new job, you look around and you know you look like okay, people don't quite look like I look, right? Mm -hmm. But I'm competitive. I'm I work hard and I want to move up the corporate ladder. So I thought in order to do that, I had to somehow blend in. And mm-hmm. he's like how other people were moved mm-hmm. the way other people were moving. Or I looked at someone's like, oh, she's successful. Let me be kind of like her. Mm-hmm. And obviously that wasn't working. And I will find myself in meeting, have great ideas. And I'm like, hey, let's do this and let's do that. And and it was like, ah, oh, no, Katie. And, you know, then later on, like a couple of weeks later, I'm like, hey, isn't that the idea I had? Mm-hmm. Right. And in hearing someone else talk about my idea with such confidence, it made me stop in my tracks Mm -hmm. and say, next time when you have an idea, you're going to speak with confidence and you're going to own that idea. And so Mm -hmm. that was when that transformation started for me. I started to hear other people like, hey, you're not getting credit for my idea, my hard work, right? Maybe it's the competitiveness inside me, whatever it may be. But I wanted to make sure that I was heard. And so Mm -hmm. 
you know, I started to bring more of myself. I'm like, hey, I'm not going to be like this person, nor should I. We're all mm-hmm. individuals. In my experience, I didn't get this far. I went to a great school, like worked hard, like, you know, like pat myself on the back. Like I didn't get this far by just kind of like blending in. Yeah. And so I'm 5'10". I wore like four inch heels. So there was no way. Oh my God, to- love it. <laughs> there was no way for me to blend in anyway. Yeah. So like, I'm going to own this height, own this physique and own this person I am mm-hmm. and really like own my ideas. And the next time I have an idea, present it with conviction, right? And when you do that, people remember you. It's mm-hmm. very hard to say to now come back to the meeting two weeks later and then present that same idea because everyone's going to remember, oh, wait a minute. Wasn't that Cadian's idea? Yeah. Yeah. It's so true. So, you know, the transformation it doesn't happen overnight. Do you have any like tips or advice for, for other women, other leaders who are really trying to cultivate that sense of confidence within right. themselves? I, I always say it starts with knowledge. Like mm-hmm. whatever you're doing, do it well. Know mm-hmm. it well. Know it like the back of your hand because yeah. you're, whenever you do something well, people are going to see you. There mm-hmm. is no way, right? So when you know whatever it is and you know it well, you're able to speak with such conviction and confidence, mm-hmm. right? So I always say like, do your research, whatever you're deciding to do, do it well. Mm-hmm. Talk to people, be curious, learn, you know, don't ever think like, I got it. <laughs> I'm good. Yeah. So it's important to constantly be curious and learn and speak to people and develop, right? And mm-hmm. be humble, but also be confident in the way that you speak and present and express your point of view. Absolutely. And, you know, I, I've also read that you've said that you believe that personal experiences can also help you within your professional relationships as well. Can you elaborate a little bit more on, on what you mean by this? Yeah. So, you know, we all have our own personal experiences. And I grew up in a West Indian, I'm Jamaican, grew up in a West Indian family where it was Mm -hmm. almost like, you know, keep your personal experience at home Mm -hmm. and work at work and don't share, don't, don't, don't let the two mix and mingle. And I actually found, you know, bringing those personal experiences it's bringing the humanity to your mm-hmm. job. First of all, when I started to share my own personal experiences, people around me was like, oh my God, she's normal. She's human. Yeah, <laughs> right? It's like, so now they're able to relate to me yeah. and share their ideas. And then guess what? We're all marketers, right? So now we're looking at it from a different perspective and we're telling those stories from our own perspective and our own personal mm-hmm. opinions. Does that even look like that can be a family? Like, does that look, you know, take a step back and bring your own experiences and bring your own uniqueness to the table because there's some internal greatness that can happen where people start to connect with you better. But it also, I think it makes you a better at your job, you know? Yeah. I mean, it kind of takes it back to where we started with leading with empathy, 
right? Having empathy for your teams, but then also like allowing others to have empathy for you so you can understand each other well. And that really helps with cultivating a, a sense of trust among employees and leadership. And that sense of trust also kind of goes into the ability to collaborate better and outwardly allow others to bring in their creative ideas too as well to be able to show up and be heard. I love it. I love it so much. Um, and, you know, I think there's a lot of with the shift, especially with COVID and going virtual, that a lot of that has kind of been lost a bit. Exactly. I mean, I have bi-weekly team meetings and with my broader team. And mm-hmm. I mean, 50% of the time, we're not talking about work. Yeah. <laughs> we're, we're really using that time to catch up. We do have some folks that's in person. We have some people that's remote. We have mm-hmm. you know, quite a diverse staff, right? And so it's important for us to have these like water cooler conversations for us to connect with each other. And you know what else, Gabrielle, is like when something doesn't go well, or you sometimes have tensions, right? Mm -hmm. When you, when you know that person's true intent, like when you know that person, you know, the true intent. So when you get that email, you're like, hmm, this yeah. sounds very harsh, but I know this person, the yeah. person, you know, the way they write their emails may be like really direct. And sometimes yeah. they're like, what are you talking about? And I'm like, start- why is this all periods? Why is there not a single exclamation point? Are you mad at me? What's going on? That's right. But if you develop relationships cross-functionally and within your team, then you understand the intent and then you can... Mm-hmm. They pick up the phone, but it's really just teams or whatever it may be and say, hey, I got this email and just talk about this email versus getting really defensive, Mm -hmm. right? First, and then you've already typed five different emails and changed and edit and, you know, and send something back that really could have been avoided if you just get to know someone. Absolutely. And I, I wanted to ask, and maybe this is a question for me that I need to know, but you know, you're a CMO, you're an SVP, so I'm sure you have a a very busy schedule, but you also have a family, you're a mother. So how, like the hell do you maintain that work-life balance? Is there any like personal habits or routines that really contribute to your productivity and well-being that you can impart on me and and our listeners? Yeah. So First, I'd like to say work-life balance is a myth. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't think <laughs> that there is true balance. And I'll tell you why. Sure. I think it's for me, at least, this is what's worked for me. And maybe it's more for mindset. It's more about work-life integration and mm-hmm. then creating the harmony around that. So when I'm at work, I'm at work. I mean, my mm-hmm. kids are older now. I have a 21-year-old in college and a 15-year-old in high school. Aww. And so, you know, so basically throughout my entire career, I've had two kids. Um, You know, I've kind of like started my family early with my Mm -hmm. husband. And so I kind of had to, I had to learn this pretty, pretty early. Mm -hmm. Um, It's about 
integration. It's about being in the car and having a work conversation. And my kids know that I'm on a work call, right? (laughs) Give me a minute and they understand those boundaries. It's also when I'm at work and my daughter's playing softball, I was like, hey guys, my daughter's playing softball. Can I check this out real quick and integrated that and share in some of those things instead of like shying away from it. Mm -hmm. It's also knowing like, hey, Mom, mom has to travel this week. So dad, you got this, right? Call dad first. And then also I have an amazing mom who Mm -hmm. has been truly like my godsend. She supports me. She helps me. So I am blessed in that aspect as well, that my mom has chosen to, you know, spend 80% of her time in Atlanta instead of being in Oh, it's amazing. Um, and really helping me out. So I, I know that a lot of people don't have that. And mm-hmm. I didn't have it early in my career because my mom was still working. Now she's retired. So I do acknowledge that because not many people have that. And I have such a great foundation. So I do want to acknowledge that because it is very difficult. Mm-hmm. Uh, my mom was a single mom. It was much harder and difficult for her than it is mm-hmm. for me. Now she's helping me and paying that forward. So you know, it's really about finding that circle, that support system. And Mm -hmm. I think it's really also changing that mindset. Like there's like complete balance. There really isn't. Some days are really chaotic, Gabriella. Mm -hmm. Some days are calmer. Some days I'm tired and it's okay. And really owning that Mm -hmm. moment. Say, you know what? Today, I just don't have it. I am really tired. I'm really exhausted. I'm going to go to bed early. You guys got this and that's okay. And, you know, and that's okay. It's so true because, you know, trying to seek, you know, okay, like it's 50-50. Like sometimes it's going to be 70-30. Sometimes it's going to be 20-80. But it's okay because tomorrow will be 100% for work. And it sounds like you have a, a great team. And again, bringing it back to empathy, but, you know, understanding each other's. We all have lives. We all have families. And, you know, being able to sometimes put work aside for a moment so that you can support your child in their sporting event and then share that with your team too so that they get excited for you and um, yeah I think that's that's uh, really great advice so kind of in closing I wanted to ask just back to Renfro kind of looking ahead do you have any exciting projects or initiatives coming down the pipeline and and how do you envision the company's future growth Yeah. So to answer the first part of your question, yes, we do. And I touched on it a little bit. We recently presented the new direction for our own brands. Obviously, Mm -hmm. you know, a portfolio of licensed brands and owned brands and owned brands, you know, we own those brands, right? So Mm -hmm. we owe it to those brands to really help those brands flourish. And so Mm -hmm. new brand direction and, you know, enhanced marketing strategy, creative, holistic, new direction, and product looks amazing. Looks really good. Kudos to the design team in New York. And you'll see that product in spring 24. And so that is a project I'm really excited about. Mm -hmm. We have leaned in and kind of like helped to really bring those brands back to its original DNA, Hot Socks, that fashion make a statement brand. So cool. K-Bell, that SoCal lifestyle, feel good fashion. That's our tagline for K-Bell. So really excited about, you know, the refocus there and the enhanced brand direction. 
Fantastic. Well, I'm excited to see the new launch next year. You know, we'd love to to share with our audience once that does go live. We love covering great new product launches and social oh, launches. So, so yeah, so we'll have to connect again then and, and make sure we get that out to the audience. But until then, Katie, and it was so lovely to chat with you. And I really appreciate you coming on the show and, and hope to have you on again soon. Thank you so much, Gabriella. It was a pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to the Rethink Retail podcast. Don't forget to join us next week for another episode. And if you're interested in being a guest on the show, apply at rethink.industries slash podcast guest. That's rethink.industries slash podcast guest. Follow us on Twitter at Rethink underscore retail and show some love by subscribing on iTunes podcast app. Until next time.